Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast brought to you by the commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. In today's episode, we have the first half hour of our new and exciting two-part series where we take a good look at the future of M&A with business futurist and innovation expert, Craig Rispin of the Future Trends Group. We start off the series with an introduction into the fascinating world of business futurists, what they are and what they do. Then we dig into the importance of being future-minded, particularly in the business sale and acquisition industry, and we discuss some horrific consequences if we aren't. We then close out this episode by identifying ways business owners and advisors to business, like accountants and brokers, ought to respond to these changes and remain relevant amidst our ever-changing economic landscape. Then in part two of our two-part series, we will get more practical with Craig and ask him to indulge us in a brainstorming game to explore opportunities for brokers, accountants and advisors in finding better ways to help businesses get future ready and deliver the best deals at exit. So if you enjoy all things mergers and acquisitions, you won't want to miss this episode. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area. And hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Craig, hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor to have you on the Deal Room podcast today. Well, I'm excited to talk about deals. I love deals. <laughs> Fabulous. So do I. So we're in good company. I love it. It's, it's great already. <laughs> now, Craig, you are a business futurist. What does that mean? Can you tell everyone what that means? Sure. Do you know that being a futurist is a real job? Is it, it really is, yes. But <laughs> people say, what's, what's a futurist? Yeah. I say, well, we're just reverse historians. Yeah. So historians study the past and we study the future. But when you go to futurist school, you can actually get a uni degree here in Australia in future studies. We've graduated over 900 students, yes, wow. in future studies. About a third of them work in government and NGOs. About a third work in academia and research. And wow. about a third of them come from the commercial world. That's where I come from the commercial side. And our professional body uh, worldwide is called the World Future Society. We have 24,000 professional members. And oh. it's a, an incredible resource. I call them my get out of jail for free card because wow. whenever I need to know something about an industry in a particular part of the world, because I help many of my clients expand overseas or do international uh, mergers and acquisitions, I can say I need to know, you know who the top uh, business people are in Philadelphia, I can reach out to my network and they there's somebody there that knows. Mm. And it's incredible, incredible resource. Wow, that's amazing. I was just saying to you before I was grappling with the word futurist. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I'm having difficulty saying, you're telling me it's such an established pro profession. I had no idea, no idea. Yes. Well, look, I really wanted to bring you on the show today, Craig, because I'm super interested in everything to do with the merger and acquisition space, but particularly not so much just how it looks today, but 
how will it look in the future? Um, and so, of course, I bring a futurist on board in you, Craig. So I know why I wanted you here, but maybe if you could give us a few thoughts about why you think it's important for people who are involved in the M&A space to be thinking about the future. Sure. It's because we are transitioning from one economic model to another one, and we're right in that process right now. And mm. some of your listeners, watchers as well, if you have a video version of this, uh, will know. Well, we can now today, right? Because Yes, was- <laughs> we can. <laughs> well, uh, many of them may have heard about this fourth industrial revolution, and this is a real thing. We are actually transferring our economy into a brand new model. And I don't mean capitalism or communism. I mean a new way of what we value and how we're going to run businesses. And when we're talking about you know ubiquitous computing, always on supercomputers, the touch of a button, um, if we've got uh, artificial intelligence, we've got the Internet of Things, we've got robotics, We've got uh, this all changing our economy. We're talking about a trillion dollars worth of new new value that's been created by a, a, a new breed called startups, uh, unicorns. Mm. And this is just the start of a new shift that we're seeing. And it's unlike the last three industrial revolutions that we've been through mm. that were really around power, the Uh, steam power, then electricity, and then computer power, because this next industrial revolution will change us, Mm. change us as customers, change us as consumers, change us as patients in the healthcare field, and it will change every industry. And I work with every industry you can imagine from the mining industry, the healthcare industry, to the airports industry, to the skin cancer uh, doctors. I'm working with the deer industry, venison uh, this week. I work with 50 different industry groups and they're all saying the same thing to me. Uh, What we did in the past isn't working any longer. We need to find a new way. And so they're looking to team up Uh, with companies that are already in this future. And some of these unicorns are uh, the companies they want to team up with. And so let me give you a for instance. Who would have thought that you would fly into Sydney Airport and Qantas would be promoting Airbnb Mm. and Uber? Yeah. Right? Who would have thought that? And I'll tell you why. It's these big incumbents that know that they've got to get some of the the startup juice Mm. or else they're not going to be relevant for the future. Mm. And Mm. they want to be around these people who understand this shift that we're going through. Mm. And so uh, that's why there's more demand for futurists like me Mm. than ever before in history. Because when you're going through these times of uncertainty, as people say, the deal terms are changing quite significantly. Yeah, yeah. And look, I guess, you know, I I can sort of hear maybe some of our listeners thinking, yeah, I totally get it. The software space, we all know the multiples there are outrageous. The unicorns, as I said to you before, I um, bizarrely decided to wear a unicorn top today. And as it turns out... That was right on, <laughs> right right on point for today's discussion. But for those organisations out there who are thinking, yeah, I get it. I get that in um, in technology, there's all of this money around 
but my industry isn't highly technology driven. You know, what's 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 your response to that? Well, and that's my worry because yeah. if their industry isn't technologically driven, then they're a target. And there are two types of organizations that many of my futurist friends talk to our clients about. You're either the disruptor or you're the disrupted. Mm. And so if you're saying that uh, we don't understand that, my industry uh, doesn't value that, or it hasn't affected us yet, what, what you, you're saying is uh, you can't see it. That doesn't mean it's not there. Mm. And if you were to look outside your industry group, here's a perfect example. Uber didn't become part of the Australian Taxi Association because, mm. you know, they decided to go right over the top and become the world's most valuable transport company in the world, mm. you know, bigger than any taxi industry um, worldwide. Give you an idea that the entire taxi industry in America is probably valued at uh, $17 billion, and uh, Uber is now valued at $70 billion. Wow. Right? Isn't that incredible? That's it is. just mind-blowing. And how long has Uber been around for? You know, my recollection is, what, five years or something? Well, like a little bit longer than that. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, you just think of where they are now. They're in almost every major uh, city. Yeah. And they're in most countries. And it, it really is incredible. But it's not just – and everybody talks about Uber. But there's a long list now of these unicorns. Uber's uh, obviously the, the largest. Number two of these uh, start that are in the Startup Billionaire Club, if your uh, listeners Google the Startup Billionaire Club, they'll find the Wall Street Journal article documenting the this morning. There are 170 uh, unicorns valued at more than a billion dollars each. And of course, wow. Uber's at the top. And number two is Didi. And DD is Uber in China, right. and yeah, and so uh, Uber's at about sixty-eight billion, and and uh, DD's at a, another thirty-eight billion. And so, if you add those together, they're valued at more than a hundred billion dollars, and they own shares in each other, so they have board positions on each other's companies. And DD runs the Uber brand in in China as well, so uh, Uber had to give up. China. It was just too t tough for them, but they have still have an interest there. But if you go down the list, there's another one down the list. Uh, Xiaomi, they're the third largest mobile phone producer in the world now after Apple and Samsung. And most people don't even know about the Mi phone. And then comes Airbnb. And so talking about time, Airbnb and uh, Uber were started almost at exactly the same time, right, right after Obama's inauguration. Yeah, so that was a little while ago, 2009. They were right. they I were found. I found was slightly off, only by. <laughs> <laughs> but it's only in the fat last five years has uh, Uber become more valuable than Ford mm. and GM and right. Honda, for instance, right? take a short break. When we get back, we get more practical with Craig and talk about smart ways business owners and advisors to business, like accountants and brokers, might respond to these changes in the M&A space. And that's next. I'm Joanna Oki, and you are listening to The Deal Room, a podcast brought to you by the commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal.
Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Welcome back. Earlier, Craig introduced us to the fascinating world of futurists, what they are and what they do. We then drilled into the importance of being future-minded, particularly in the business sale and acquisitions industry, and discussed some horrific consequences if we aren't future-ready. Now, let's keep the conversation going and jump back to our discussion with Craig to talk about how business advisors, like accountants and brokers, ought to respond to these changes in order to get their clients future-ready and fit for sale into the future. Sometimes some of these statistics can be so mind-blowing that the question is, how do we make this relevant to us? What do we do, you know, as business owners or, or as business advisors? Because, you know, many of our listeners are actually accountants or exit advisors or brokers. So I guess there's both the position for businesses, what do business do, and then what do, what do advisors do? Well, they have to position their clients if they're looking to uh, maximize the value of their client's business. If you're trying to maximize the value of your business, you have to be aware of the shifts going on in your industry and you have to be part of it. Mm -hmm. And if you're just ignoring it and you say, our business model is great and we're doing the same thing that we did five years ago and uh, we don't need any of this stinking artificial intelligence or automation Mm -hmm. in our business, Craig, it doesn't apply to us, then the fact is that truly sophisticated investors are going to be asking tough questions Mm -hmm. because they're looking at the results of these companies that are now listing on with their uh, uh, IPOs and being valued at tens of billions of dollars. And how they're being valued is completely different Let me give you a for instance. If you're trying to value a business for a merger, acquisition, or sale, how can you value a business now when businesses who have no assets are being valued more than an organization with assets? Yeah. And so I work with all the big accounting firms and their partners are asking me, Craig, we need a new way to value businesses, don't we? Because we can no longer value them under the assets that they control. Yeah. And so that's a complete change to how you view a deal, isn't it? It is completely. It is completely. And what's the answer to that? You know, is, yeah. So you have to, here's the great news is that there are startups in every single industry. There's a database of startups and you can search these hundreds of thousands of startups and you can team up with them and they can bring a a little bit of the future to your organization. And sometimes that little thing that you do that sets you apart from everybody else in your industry actually 
shows that you're a thought leader in your industry by taking mm-hmm. action in that area. It do, you don't have to be a Qantas. You can find a little startup just down the road at the, you know, that spun off from the local university and bring them into your industry. And so mm-hmm. let me give you a perfect example of this. Mm-hmm. I was working with, um, all the all the big builders in New Zealand. So all the big builders are coming in and they're talking about the future of their industry. And I showed them a giant 3D printer that can print a house in a day. A giant like crane that can print with 90% construction waste and wow. 10% concrete build a single story house in a day. It can build a five-story apartment building in five days. Like the real building? or Oh, a yeah, a real building. The real building. Yeah. Stop. And wow. this is already happening. There are 20,000 buildings like this being built in the Middle East uh, right now really? using, this, using this Chinese technology. Wow. And I said to the builders in New Zealand, and I've said to the builders here in Australia as well, who's going to be the first firm? That brings in the you know these researchers from university or these little spinoff startups, and prints the first low cost housing that is printed in a day. I mean that really reduces. And everybody's talking about low cost housing. You could fix that problem today. Mm. Who's going to do that? And you know somebody's going to put their hand up. Yeah. And somebody's going to print the first low cost housing unit with that three D printer. And what's going to be the value of their business compared to everybody else in their industry when they've completely disrupted their business model for their entire industry? And if somebody doesn't do it in their industry, somebody outside their industry will do it and make their entire industry group irrelevant. And so what I'm saying is you must engage. You must engage with startups. You must engage with the future. You must understand the trends that are happening in your industry, what's happening with your customers, and you must make your firm future ready and make it fit for sale, right? It needs to be future ready. Otherwise, how can you value your business if you don't understand the future? One of the things we've heard over and over again on this particular podcast is many advisors who've been on talking about this issue into the future of this retirement age that's that, you know, the majority of businesses in Australia are, are approaching, you know, within the next sort of five to 10 to 15 years. So the, the concept is that there'll be this exodus of business, business owners who move into retirement and then the problem being how do they realise the value of the asset in their business that they've through their whole life or, or a good portion of their working life period, how do they realise the value of this asset if there's going to be this flood on the market? It seems to me that that's a big problem that needs solving at the moment. But what I'm hearing you say is one of the ways that you can deal with this is to make yourself so different that you make yourself attractive above everyone else that's just doing same, same. That's right. And and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Some of the best innovations in the world are really cheap innovations. And it's just a mindset of thinking. And if you don't know anything about it, the good news is you can team up with young people that become reverse mentors to you and help upgrade your brain and, re- and ready your business for sale. And so you can just, look, I travel all around the world and all around Australia. I go to all sorts of areas and you just drive down the streets and you see how many shops are shut. And you think, why are those shops shut? You know, half of them in uh, Noosa, 
you know, in the main street, uh, completely shut. And the reason is that their business models have been completely overrun. People are ordering cheap t-shirts online and having them shipped the next day to them. Yeah. Right. So they don't need to go to the local surf shop anymore. And uh, it has really, you know, hurt many of these business owners. And I talked to them and, uh, you know, people have been in these businesses for 20 plus years. And I say, uh, so what are you doing? I see you're shutting down. Are you selling your business? And this t-shirt guy said to me, he laughed at me. Who would buy this business? Amazon has just started up. Why would anybody buy this business? And I'm I'm telling you, I really felt sorry for him. But if he had looked at the future and brought some innovations in and and become relevant to his new customers, this Mm. wouldn't be this wouldn't be the case. So you know, I really deeply feel his pain. And what's he going to do for retirement? Right? He can't. He's thought he was building this asset and the asset has no value Mm. now and it's happening all over australia and so i'm begging my clients in industry groups be the disruptor not the disrupted yeah be the disruptor yeah and you will be valued so much higher than anybody else in your industry it will Mm. be ridiculous and all you have to do is a little thing a little thing Well, that's it for part one of our exciting two-part series with business futurist and innovation expert, Craig Rispin of the Future Trends Group. Now, as a quick recap, today we talked about business futurists, what they are and what they do. Then we drilled into the importance of being future-minded, particularly in the business sale and acquisitions industry. We went through some horrific consequences if we aren't future-ready in our business and practice. Then we wrapped up this episode by identifying the ways that business owners and advisors to business ought to respond to these changes and remain relevant amidst our ever-changing economic landscape. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I'd love you to join us again next week for the final episode in this two-part series. In part two, we get more specific and looked at ways to be disruptors in the broking industry and to avoid being the disrupted. We'll talk about using algorithms, benchmarking tools, and business valuations, these and a whole lot more. So if you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on your favorite podcast player to get notifications delivered straight to your mobile whenever we release a new episode. Please also consider leaving a very honest review and rating for us on iTunes, which helps us reach more people. Well, thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen. that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. Thank you.